the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. And as always, uh, our special editions during this COVID-19 time frame. Uh, It's a special edition where we're going to talk about COVID-19. With us uh, tonight, we have a special guest, uh, uh, a noted uh, forensic pathologist, Dr. Cyril Wecht from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Dr. Wecht, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Um, nice to talk with you again. Yes, well, the um, you know, Doctor Weck uh, is, is basically quite a uh, an illustrious uh, pathologist. He's been giving opinions for many years. He has written over sixteen books on pathology. Uh, he has given opinions on the deaths of Robert Kennedy, Sharon Tate, uh, Kurt Cobain, John Benet Ramsey. Herman Tannauer, he's the Scarsdale diet guru, Sonny Von Bulow, uh, the Branch Davidian murders, Vincent Foster, Lacey Peterson, Daniel and Anna Nicole Smith, just to name a few, and performed uh, thousands, over 21,000 autopsies over the years. Uh, and you're still going strong. Dr. Weck, congratulations on being an inspiration to us for your longevity. Okay, well, uh, thank you. Yes, I did 18 autopsies last week. Uh, and I'm heavily engaged with my medical legal consultations, so uh, life moves on, and I don't feel that I need to be quarantined uh, or sequestered. You you have been doing this for decades uh, of practicing. I I noticed uh, for the last 63 years you've been active in, in medicine, doing autopsies, doing the pathology, and... Uh, basically giving opinions on and commenting on the uh, on the health situations and health questions that are coming up. What do you make of COVID-19 in, in your life's experience? I can think of no one better to ask that question to. Well, obviously, it's a unique experience for all of us. I don't think that there are many people uh, still around who went through the 1918-1919 epidemic, and if any of them... Uh, uh, are around uh, when they were only been babies uh, and would not have any cognitive recollection. So it is a very, very uh, particular <clears throat> event and different uh, too in many respects, obviously, from influenza epidemics that we have encountered and uh, uh, even somewhat different uh, from uh, going back some decades to polio, tuberculosis, and then uh, HIV, AIDS. Uh, Ebola uh, and Zika, and then SARS and MERS, and uh, now uh, the COVID-19 the coronavirus. I believe, however, that um, our uh, reaction to this governmentally, officially, uh, and uh, from other quarters uh, has been um, excessive and, and markedly exaggerated, creating a, a great fear of panic and hysteria which lingers and which will have lingering effects. 
website to get for some time. I, I, I would be willing to bet that for years to come, you're going to see some people walking around with masks, and certainly when they're in the crowded uh, areas, they're wearing masks uh, and so on. Uh, today, there's an article in the op-ed page of the wall. Uh, not today, and there's an article uh, back on um, Wednesday, June 3rd, on the op-ed page um, describing um, the COVID and the mortality rate. You know that for people um, under the age of 65 who are in, you know, just basically good health, you know what the mortality rate is? About 1 in 50,000 people, 1 in 50,000. Figure that out on a percentage basis. It's the lowest rate I have ever seen. Now, yes, we needed to and we must continue to provide additional extra precautionary measures for people who are elderly, disabled, people who are obese, diabetic, people uh, who have chronic cardiovascular, respiratory, hepatic, renal diseases, etc. No question about that. And they themselves must undertake uh, necessary precautions uh, to keep themselves from becoming uh, infected because they are susceptible. And the mortality rate is certainly higher among those groups. But the responsibility to a great extent lies with them and with input from society, particularly with regard to nursing homes and so on. However, uh, I believe uh, months ago, and I uh, discussed this in an op-ed article I did for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on Thursday, May 14th, and uh, discovered and discussed it further uh, in an interview they did with me that was published uh, on Sunday, the uh, 17th of May, that blanketing the entire society, closing down the, the world of academia, uh, athletics, entertainment, amusement, um, uh, religious uh, facilities, um, and, um, and and all these other uh, ramifications uh, certainly were excessive, and I think that that is now being understood a little bit more. Things are beginning to loosen up. It's taken quite a while. In the meantime, look at the suffering that has been caused. An increased number of suicides, an increased number of drug deaths, an increased number of people becoming psychotic, highly neurotic, uh, ill and sick. About 40 million Americans applying for unemployment benefits. People lined up at airport parking lots, 800, 1,000 cars moving in serpentine fashion to get a box of food. How often? Uh, every week they have to do that. Think of families where you have an abusive man under the best of circumstances. How would you like to be the wife, the spouse, and the children in that household locked up with such a uh, person uh, for three months? Uh, and uh, on the economic side, of course, it's a total disaster. They predict about 25% of restaurants will never reopen. A large number of small businesses will never reopen. Uh, Major businesses with J.C. Penney and Marcus and others uh, uh, have uh, folded up and gone bankrupt. It's just, just calamitous. The point is we have had these epidemics and we've dealt with them. There will be other epidemics in the future. This is not over. These are viruses which are within the wildlife, um, whether it's bats or the pangolins uh, in China or uh, others, and every now and then, there's going to be some transmutation, and it's going to be picked up in some fashion, as happened here uh, with the coronavirus, 
going to happen again. And I just believe that you cannot close down and maintain that kind of quarantine in a total blanket fashion for society uh, for a sustained period of time. It is just not sustainable. The price that you pay is heavy. Uh, people uh, who are in favor of these restrictions, they'll tell you, oh, we want to save lives. Yes, I'm very interested in that, and every decent, sensitive person is in favor of saving lives. But somehow, these people um, are so uh, narrow-minded, so blinded by uh, the folders uh, <clears throat> uh, that they've applied to the sides of their eyes, um, let alone their intellect, they, they fail to understand. They, 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 they either refuse to accept or don't bother to comprehend all the things that I have mentioned. And the fact is that probably more people have died as a result of the complications and ramifications of these tight restrictions than have died, perhaps. as certainly is true for the populations um, outside of the nursing uh, homes. Uh, one oh, we're not seeing we're not seeing any numbers on that, though. No, I uh, will. Nursing home deaths have been high. One thing that I hope will change as a result of this, and that is to point out that nursing homes in America are, to a very great extent, a, an embarrassment. To a very great extent, and I'm talking about a significant percentage, probably more than 50 percent, could be 75 percent, are inadequately staffed people are untrained, understaffed, and uh, undercompensated. We have to do something about that. This great nation of ours, uh, people performing those duties, we have to raise the standards, we have to educate them, we have to get people who are more trained, and we have to pay them better, just as uh, we have to pay police officers better and get better people and more training, just as we need to pay teachers more and in the meantime, you see Major League Baseball is not opening up because they're arguing the players and the owners about how much how much of their millions of dollars annual pay uh, will be detracted uh, um, um, from uh, their annual pay. Should it be on a pro-rated basis or a fixed percentage? That is what is going on in America. Anybody who fails to understand and to uh, comprehend the, the hypocrisy, the the, I don't know how to describe it, the, the absurdity of this kind of situation socioeconomically in this great nation of ours uh, is a fool, an ignoramus, or just uh, failing uh, to delve into this in a rational, logical, objective fashion. Well, talking about rational basis, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to noted forensic pathologist, Dr. Cyril Weck from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, we're going to talk about COVID-19. And we're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. Cleveland, Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate, talking to Dr. Cyril Weck from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a noted forensic pathologist who's been around for decades and has been providing opinions on uh, medicine and death for 
for decades, as well as doing over 21,000 autopsies. Uh, Dr. Weck, thank you again for joining us tonight. I'm pleased to be with you. You know, we talked during the break about uh, the respectful nature we have to give to COVID-19, that in a period of about three months, we have over 100,000 American deaths, which is terrifying, and that uh, American society has been sufficiently impressed with those numbers and with the fact that it's a novel virus and uh, there's no uh, inherent immunity to it. So everybody is hysterical and concerned about uh, catching this and possibly dying. Uh, How do we put the COVID-19 thing into perspective and get along and enjoy our lives best we can and and not... uh, hide from everything. Well, I think that we have to, uh, as I say, uh, stand back and look at this in a more rational and calm fashion. Uh, And there are several points to be made. It is true that we were not prepared. It is correct to state that uh, we did not undertake the necessary appropriate measures. It is correct that China did not disclose this information uh, about the deaths in Wuhan. Uh, by the way, I've been to Wuhan and I've been in that very, very live wildlife market where they believe uh, the virus was passed on from bats to pangolins, both of which, by the way, are edible products uh, for uh, many people in, uh, in China. So I, I, I know that's a pretty background noise of this kind of a situation. So, uh, and, and I, I believe that it is necessary. Uh, to implement precautionary measures. In fact, they should have been done sooner. For example, my grandson, George Hyman, there is the academic program in Madrid, who is at home along with other students. And I didn't hear about the, the CEO about the, uh, I don't know, six weeks or I forget how long. Uh, and he came back to the JFK airport and uh, he, he wasn't tested at all. Uh, 
from one table to another at a time. But then, for, for using that as an example, what I did here in Pennsylvania is that uh, if you want, you can't go to another table to say hello, number one. Number two, if you want to go to the bathroom, you have to put up your hand, get permission, and you have to wear a mask to go to the bathroom in, in that restaurant where you are dining with your family. How do you like that? This is, this is absurd. And then one more point to be made on this um, in terms of the country. It has become heavily politicized, heavily, heavily politicized uh, to a great extent. And there are exceptions, yes, um, at the level of governors and, and other officials as well as in the general public. But for the most part, we're seeing uh, conservative uh, Republicans making one stance uh, and uh, liberal Democrats making another. Uh, this uh, division in America, I'm not saying it was created by COVID, but it certainly has been emphasized and enhanced and exaggerated by COVID. And it demonstrates that you know, we've got some real problems. We can talk about that another day. I, I notice that sometimes the, the lines blur as far as which side is taking which position. The, the last I heard is that the majority of Republicans are into an open economy and uh, sort of to downplay the isolation elements. The Democrats on the left side are more for let's keep things safe, let's keep things tight until we get a vaccine or at least get herd immunity. Um, is that pretty much the way those lines are divided or every yes, time we yes, hear yes, an yes, issue, yes, we yes, have, yes, to, yes, have yes, to determine yes, that? Yes, that's the way the lines are are divided, and uh, that has some fascinating socio-political ramifications uh, and ideological factors uh, to consider. But yes, you have uh, stated it uh, quite succinctly and correctly. Well, then, I think what most of us want to know, average people who have to live our lives, I mean, we just don't sit and watch the calendar slip by like we've been doing for the last three months. But how, from a medical standpoint, based on your life's experience and your professional experience, um, how do you evaluate the real threat of COVID-19 out there for us to loosen up a little bit and go out and enjoy our friends and go to a restaurant and, uh, you know, stay away from people who are obviously ill and we wash our hands more often now? What's wrong with that? Is that sufficient or should we be more careful? No, I believe that those kinds of precautionary measures uh, are, are adequate and appropriate. And there's certainly nothing wrong with people uh, engaging in more uh, personal hygienic measures, washing uh, uh, hands and so on. But for Dr. Fauci to say that nobody should ever shake hands again, um, that is incredible. And uh, that reminds me, too, of uh, the still restrictions in, in many places where you're dying, a family member could be your mother, your father, your grandparents, um, and that you're not permitted to go in and hug and embrace and kiss. Uh, the people who are still, and I, I know personal friends, they still will not get together with their children. Well, for the last uh, uh, four to six weeks, uh, four children, four separate families of grandchildren, and we have been getting together um, individual families at their homes or at ours and the large family get-togethers uh, the last two Sunday nights, which is our custom and our family of four children, spouses, and 11 grandchildren. So uh, 
I, I think this is going to happen. Congratulations, by the way. I think this is waning. I think that it is going to uh, pass. I think that there will continue to be uh, infected people uh, for a while. There will continue to be some fatalities. And that's also true um, with something called um, uh, influenza. Everybody's forgotten about influenza and the fact that people can get seriously ill and people die from influenza too, okay? So, uh, uh, yes, it's time to get back to normalcy. We're not going to do it overnight, but I believe that these restrictions should be lifted and things should get back into a state of um, reasonableness, including allowing uh, college uh, entry students uh, as well as people who are, you know, already started and continuing to their later years to go back to school. And schools begin uh, some places mid-late August, other places after Labor Day. It's time to do that. And then with regard to how you want to sit the people at a theater, at a restaurant, at a ball game, then fine. And then go ahead and work it out uh, and, uh, and see how it fits uh, in with the people who are doing this commercially. Um, I, I have no objections to those kinds of reasonable measures, but I strongly object to the absurdity. And I, one, one comment on the absurdity, um, we live near a park here in Pittsburgh. We drive by um, this uh, area on the way into my office in downtown, and I see people walking by themselves wearing a mask. I was talking with the state trooper when I was doing an autopsy last week, and he commented, yeah, how about people driving a car by themselves wearing a mask? And this is absolutely unbelievable. The coronavirus is not out there in the air. You do not breathe in coronavirus. You have to get it from someone who is infected, from the fomites, from the spittle um, um, that comes out of their mouths, uh, can be by contact and sometimes on some surfaces and so on. Yes, that can happen. But you do not get it by breathing in the air. And when I see somebody walking like that, I have to refrain myself, and I do, from yelling out and saying, what an imbecile tool you are, and somebody driving a car wearing a mask. This is absolutely... In, inside the car. Well, yeah, on, on the that car. note... On that note, we're going to have to say thank you, Dr. Weck, for sharing thank with you. us. A pleasure. And, and it, um, thank you so very much. And Best wishes to thank you, you so much. And, all your listeners. Okay. and stay healthy to everyone. Very good. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Welcome back, Cleveland. Thank you for with another segment of The Advocate. And in the next two segments, we're going to be talking to Cuyahoga County Councilperson Dan Baker, who is gracious enough to join us from time to time and give us a heads up on what's going on in Cuyahoga County, and especially during this COVID-19 time frame. And Nan, thank you for uh, joining us tonight. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, certainly am uh, grateful for the opportunity to keep you updated and let us you know the progress we're making in Cuyahoga County. Well, well, thank you so much because uh, this is such an unprecedented time for uh, yeah. anyone in our generation now. Uh, COVID-19 has been with us now for many months, a number of months. It's going back to early March. 
Uh, tell us what uh, what's happening now, and we're in early June of 2020. What's happening with COVID, and how's the county dealing with it? Are we making progress? Are we leveling off, or what's going on? Yes, uh, the good news is we are leveling off uh, our efforts to flatten the curve. Uh, we certainly have done that. The uh, amount of um, beds that are needed uh, have decreased. Emergency room visits have decreased. Um, so we feel cautiously optimistic that uh, what we have done over the last couple of months is uh, showing that uh, we certainly understand how to get out there and not be so shut down in our homes, but also how to be careful when we are out there until we do get, in fact, a uh, vaccine for this coronavirus. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, today as we stand, uh, we have about 4,789 cases in Cuyahoga County, and unfortunately there are 265 deaths to date. Um, so that is still, you know, uh, a daunting number that we can't lose track of. And just because we're getting a little looser with uh, what we do in our lives, we need to remember that that virus is still out there and to be smart about it. Uh, do you know offhand uh, how, how does Cuyahoga County stack up against the uh, other counties in Ohio, not in the total numbers, because I know here in Cuyahoga County, we have about, what, 1.2, 1.3 million people. Uh, so we're a large county. And so the right. the rate the right. rate of uh, infections per, say, 100,000, how are we doing? Right. Well, I do happen to have those statistics. Um, as I said, 4789 for Cuyahoga County. Uh, Franklin County is actually the highest county. They're at 6,323 cases with 295 deaths, so about 30 more deaths than we have. Hamilton County is at 2,811 cases with 171 deaths. Uh, Marion County is 2,688 cases with 32 deaths. And Lucas County is 2,329 cases with 263 deaths which is pretty high for a county that um, has a lower amount of, of cases. So, of course, the more you're, you know, the more impacted you are as your population is higher, um, but it still uh, gives you an idea of where we're at in Cuyahoga County and how the other counties stack up to uh, what they're doing in trying to keep uh, specifically the hospital need and the death down. That's really the objective as um, we're working through this uh, this virus. Well, with regard to nursing homes, and I know that they have been hot spots uh, over the months here. How are we doing in Cuyahoga County? Are a lot of our cases coming out of nursing homes and, and jails and other places that have sort of the community type living? Yes. Um, our health director in the last time we got together, which is about a week ago for the Health and Human Services update, we um, have put uh, $5 million into specifically testing and testing into places that um, have congregate living. So that would be nursing homes, would be uh, any type of group homes, veterans homes, um, you know, our jails where there's tight living, anywhere there's living, we are investing and targeting those areas right now in uh, making sure that those that are inside are tested and those that are working there are tested. 
And when they finally do open up for visitors and family, they will also be tested going in. So there is an effort, which I'm going to see that's where it should be. For people who aren't living in congregate living and they're they're not employed by any health organization, uh, regular people who are still working, perhaps they're going home at night, and they don't have any symptoms and they don't know anybody who has uh, COVID-19, are they getting tested or should they get tested or should they wait for symptoms or contact with someone or... Well, what's the going I think thing? This, right. I think that uh, testing is still limited. So I, I think the, the target areas of making sure that those that are most vulnerable, those that don't have any underlying respiratory illnesses, those are the ones we should do first. Everyone else, because you could have it and not know it, everyone else should be six feet apart, washing hands regularly, and wearing a mask. Those are the three top ways that those that aren't as vulnerable as others um, should do until we get a handle on this virus. The uh, CDC has always been saying since the beginning that a high-risk group are people who are 60 years of age and over. So if, if there are people who are 60 and over and are healthy with no real underlying problems, now, how much at risk are they and what should they be doing other than washing their hands, keeping their distance? Mm-hmm. And should they be tested or, or what else should be done? Well, at this point, um, I think that the concentration is at the most vulnerable. So even if you're 60 or 65 and you're in great health, uh, I don't think that, you know, you are in that vulnerable group. So doing what others do as far as being careful where you go making sure you keep your distance and wear your mask and wash your hands. That is for you also. As we get to the point where we have plentiful tests and we're able to then get it out to the larger population, they will be the next group that will, that will uh, be asked to be tested. Uh, hopefully they're even thinking of testing where they mail you a test and you can take the test yourself. But those uh, have not yet come to us yet. So we're um, we're still doing what we need to do, and that is making sure that those that are most vulnerable, living in congregate living spaces, um, are taken care of first. Well, there seems to be a sense of, um, I guess, hope and some sense of relief going on, especially with the warmer summer weather coming in, that yes. people just seem to have a better attitude. Uh, might this contribute to people forgetting about the social distancing and uh, maybe contributing to a spike in more cases and we go right back to where we were in March or April? Well, hopefully not. I mean, we are watching those numbers pretty closely, and right now we are at at a flat, if not declining. And we've had people out there and out there engaging. We had Memorial Day. So the numbers are not showing that we are increasing because of that. It doesn't mean that you should relax and uh, not do what you should do to protect yourself. But I don't think that uh, having the restaurants open and having people get back to some type of normalcy, getting out of their house more, visiting perhaps uh, with some close family, as long as they're protecting each other, it's, um, I don't think that that is as risky as we thought perhaps uh, a month or so ago. Have you heard whether people should still be quarantining if they haven't had any contact with anyone and they're... Uh, essentially healthy, no symptoms? Well, I think the um, 
attorney general, let's see, the uh, lieutenant governor, I'm sorry, Husted, has put out the safe at home, not stay at home. So the safe at home is not to let your guard down, but not to lock in either. So I think that um, that's a strong message saying that we are we are advancing. We understand this more than we did uh, a couple of months ago. And um, don't be afraid to go out and support your local businesses. Um, just be careful about it. Well, that's good because that all sounds so optimistic that uh, things are leveling off and seem to be getting better, but we have to keep our guard up. We're going to take yes. a short break uh, here in, in a moment or two, and we're going to uh, get into talking about the economic side because that's the other half of this whole coin where we literally yeah. shut down completely in late March yes. and uh, just slowly getting back. Unemployment has been through the ceiling. And yes. it's just uh, that, that coupled with the racial tensions, <clears throat> what's been going on with uh, demonstrations this summer, we're going to come back and talk about all of those things uh, shortly. We're here talking to uh, Cuyahoga County Council Member Nan Baker, who comes uh, on our show from time to time and gives us an update on what's going on here in Cuyahoga County. So we appreciate Nan being with us. We'll take a short break right now. We'll be back after these words with Nan Baker. Listening to Nick Phillips here in WHK, the advocate. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Nick Phillips Review with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight with uh, Cuyahoga County Councilperson Nan Baker. Nan, thank you as always for joining us. You're welcome. It's, a, it's good to be with you. And and you too. Uh, we're talking about COVID in Cuyahoga County and how it's impacting the people of Cuyahoga County. And we talked about the actual disease itself and how it seems to be flattening out and there seems to be a hint of optimism about the, how we're controlling the situation. But that still leaves us with the economic side of the problem, the equation. Uh, we're talking about unemployment, we're talking about funding. Uh, first, let's say a few words, if you can, about federal funding. We heard a lot about Congress uh, releasing funds. How much is Cuyahoga right. County getting out of this? Actually, Cuyahoga County um, has received over $215 million and, um, for specifically the COVID-19 pandemic to uh, make sure that we take care of the residents of Cuyahoga County. And that sounds like a lot, and that isn't a lot of money. And we are slowly pushing it out there, making sure we're accountable for those dollars that are being spent. But, uh, you know, Food and housing and um, those that are displaced with workforce training. Uh, we're talking about specific upgrades to all of our county buildings to make them safe, having touch points where they don't have to grab the bar. They can uh, wave and have a door open. All kinds of different um, distancing of furniture. And all of that is being paid for uh, if we decide to move ahead on that proposal by the CARES Act that was given, uh, provided to us by the federal government. It's, um, mm -hmm. we've spent to date probably about, oh, maybe 50 million of it, or at least have it appropriated, uh, but we have a long way to go. The, I shouldn't say catch, but kind of the 
the um, footnote to this is that it needs to be spent by the end of the year. So um, that's not a very long time to spend $215 million um, and do it correctly and appropriately. So we're hoping we can get an extension. We've heard that Congress is now debating uh, and is close to passing uh, counties and cities the ability that we can um, prolong that into next year. Because this virus is not going to go away until we do, in fact, have a vaccine. Uh, so we will be dealing with this in January and February and March, perhaps all the way through to June of next year. So it's, uh, it's important that we spend it wisely. Uh, it's not easy, to, like you say, to spend all that money because it does have to be spent wisely, and, and that does take time. How are we doing on unemployment here in Cuyahoga County? Well, at, at our peak, we were at 23% unemployment in Cuyahoga County. Um, that is uh, unbelievable. It's, uh, you know, we were, before this virus, down to about a 5% unemployment. We were really uh, at an all-time low and doing well. and getting those that needed additional workforce training into jobs that were better paying. We were really on a very good, strong momentum. Uh, unfortunately, that ended and many jobs had to close and businesses had to close and many people were laid off and it uh, certainly shows in the unemployment numbers. If there are those still looking for unemployment, um, I want to at least give an online um, address, and that would be unemployment.ohio.gov, or you could call toll-free 1-877-644-6562. Also, the CARES Act temporarily allows many self-employed people and part-time workers to apply for the benefits if they were affected by this COVID-19 and, and their jobs and, and where they work. So that, too, don't hesitate to call or apply if you are a uh, self-employed person. So that's... Uh, is it too, is it too late to do that now? No, it's not. No, it's not. It's, uh, it's on the Cuyahoga County website. Uh, all the information you need to apply, such as having your social security number and your driver's license and name and address, email, it is not too late. So uh, many people have already applied, but for those who haven't, uh, please do so. And if you think you're excluded, you're not. Uh, it's important that uh, you take care of your family and yourself during these uh, during these times. Uh, you and I talked be, before the show about a job fair, a virtual job fair. Uh, in these yeah. times, uh, being able to get employed is kind of an art. How do you do that? Tell us about this job fair. Yes. Uh, Cuyahoga County, uh, to their credit, in our economic development department and with other organizations that have assisted. Uh, the Ohio Means Job is the uh, main host, but they are organizing 80 organizations participating in the Cuyahoga County Virtual Job Fair. Uh, you do need to register, but the registration is open now. So you need to go to the Ohio Means Job uh, website, and on there, it's very easy to, uh, to register. And the job fair is from June 15th at 9 a.m. through June 19th uh, at, uh, till 4 p.m. So all day you can um, talk or chat to um, participants and recruiters uh, each day from 9 to 4. 
So it's uh, quite an opportunity, and uh, I would encourage uh, everyone to try and uh, participate in that job fair if they're actively looking for a job. What, what is that going to look like? Is that going to be like a Zoom meeting for everybody, or uh, do they log yeah. in and people contact them, or what will it look like? You know, I'm, I I would anticipate that it would be. I've been on my share of Zoom meetings uh, over the last couple of months, and they work pretty well. Um, you know, I did want to give also kind of a, an indication of who will be there. We will have uh, representatives from Amazon, the Cleveland Clinic, Allstate Insurance, Metro Health, University Hospitals, even those from Cedar Point, Fifth Third Bank, Giant Eagle, FedEx, Dave Markets, Lucky Markets. Those will be among many others that will be participating. So quite of a broad brush of different types of careers and occupations and people looking for those uh, that are actively looking for a job. So it is uh, certainly something, um, you know, if you also uh, need a computer or you're in a hot spot where you don't have, um, that you need help in, uh, in technology, you can give mm-hmm. a call to 216-319-5993 and you can request uh, equipment to help you get through on this uh, job there. Well, it sounds like there's a lot uh, a lot of helping hands out there ready to lend a helping hand. You know, this past yes. week also we, we had uh, demonstrations over the, the death in Minneapolis of George Floyd. Uh, how has yes. Cuyahoga County dealt with that? I know we had some demonstrations and some damage. Do we have any results yes. on the amount of damage? Well, the, the amount of damage... Uh, you know, for any business over when they're the entire storefront and inside looting, it's it's devastating. I mean, there's um, you just don't know how to put your arms around the um, hurt that those businesses are experiencing. They have had volunteers go down and they're sweep. They've been sweeping up the glass and helping those store owners. Some of them have already opened up. A few of them are still waiting. Um, it's just, uh, you know, these are very, very unsettling times. Uh, I will say that, unfortunately, our, our sheriff, and he told us this himself in a county council meeting, he underestimated the amount of people that were going to peacefully demonstrate. Um, it was determined that there is an outside uh, group that is joining these peaceful demonstrations, and they are the ones that are causing this devastation and, and destruction. So, you know, unfortunately, 2020 is, hindsight is 2020. But, of course. Um, we are certainly now, according to what I heard today from our executive director uh, or executive Armin Budish, they are prepared for uh, anything that should come our way, and there will not be any more surprises, and they are there to make sure that those businesses are protected. So um, that's good. Well, let's hope there's no more violence. Uh, And of course, Mm -hmm. I I think part of this country is one of the joys of living in this country is the freedom of speech we all have. And peaceful demonstrations are certainly uh, not not to be snuffed out. I mean, why live in America? right? But uh, in any event, well, well, Nan, thank you so much for giving us an update. We'll have you on again next month to talk about what's going on right here in our home, Cuyahoga County. 
Thank you so very much for joining us. You're welcome. It's a pleasure, and uh, take care and be safe out there. Thank you so much, and everyone stay healthy. And uh, that was Nat Baker, Coyote County Council. And uh, thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do